This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each episode I'll be catching up with chefs, cuckoo writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge as our guests share 10 things we need to know about the specialist subject. And do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks, and shortcuts. I'm delighted to welcome Catherine Phipps to the podcast today. Catherine is a food writer, recipe developer, and author of several books, including Citrus, Leaf, Chicken, and her latest, Modern Pressure Cooking, which we'll be talking all about today. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming to chat to us today on your specialist subject. This is actually the second pressure cookbook you've written. That's right, isn't it? It is. I wrote the last one about 12 years ago, published a decade ago. And the reason I wrote another one was because I feel as though my style of cooking in a pressure cooker has evolved quite a lot since my first book. And I also wanted to write another book, which was very everyday, family-friendly, really good for beginners, so I wanted to make it as comprehensive as possible, but also provide a bit of fresh inspiration for people who might have bought my first book or been pressure cooking for a long time. Yeah, it feels like pressure cooking is... It's just really on the agenda at the minute as well, isn't it? I saw on your Instagram um, when the book was published and then loads of my 
other favorite food writers as well all started sharing it and I was like who knew so many people were into pressure cooking yeah it's it's been amazing actually I think obviously the zeitgeist is we all need to be saving fuel for obviously for cost reasons but also it's a much more sustainable way of cooking but yes I think this time around a lot more people are open to it than they were maybe a decade ago well we're going to go through all of your points your 10 things you need to know about and I guess we'll get lots of you know reasons and tips um why people should either use the one that they've got in their cupboard or maybe go out and buy one as I'm going to um because I'm hoping by the end of this I'll know exactly which one to get tell us about your first point which is becoming even more relevant by the day as you said the energy efficiency of it yeah so would you like to know how they work briefly would yes that help? please yes yes so a pressure cooker is basically a saucepan that has a sealed and weighted lid so what happens is as the heat rises the seal will completely close and the weight in the top of the lid will mean that the pressure that's building up the steam that's building up inside has nowhere to go so the temperature rises and that means that it will cook at about 119 120 degrees celsius which on average, cuts off about 70% of the cooking time. So if you compare it, doing um, something on the hob conventionally and something on the hob in a pressure cooker or an electric pressure cooker, you're saving a lot of time and a lot of money. Yeah, amazing. Um, And I think one of the things we're going to talk about, you know, as, as we go through is that people have got this um, perception of using a pressure cooker to cook meat for that would take four hours in. yes but obviously you've you've got millions of different recipes in your books and millions of different ways of cooking it um the other thing that's more that, that was your second point is it's more eco-friendly too right because it uses a lot less water than it would yeah absolutely and this is particularly true of the more modern pressure cookers the older ones which are the ones that people used to get a bit worried about are the ones that still let out quite a lot of steam during the cooking process but the modern ones make sure that the unit is completely sealed so very little or no steam escapes during the cooking process so what happens with say you're cooking something like meat when you um, remove it from the heat and allow the pressure to drop naturally which means you just remove it from the heat and that's it you don't release the pressure in any way all of the steam will condense back into the liquid okay so you get um so so if you're making a casserole for example you'd need a lot less water yeah and also if you're cooking various things by absorption method like rice and pasta again much less liquid needed and pasta Uh, I know a lot of people are quite resistant to this but the absorption method for cooking pasta has become quite popular in the last few years so one pot pasta one pot pasta exactly (laughs) and I've been doing that in the pressure cooker for a long time. You know, it's the sort of thing I might do first thing in the morning for the kids' thermoses for school or something because it's so fast. And the whole thing is done before I've actually normally got a big pot of water up to boil. Wow. Uh, So so the amount of water you're saving there is quite incredible. I have to say, out of all, I I did go through your book yesterday and out of all of the the things I wrote down, which I thought was a bit bit strange to cook in a pressure cooker, that one didn't jump out at me, so I I missed it completely. (laughs) I I would never have said, because in my head I'm like, yeah, I, I understand the one pot cooking pasta thing in a pan. 
but with pressure cookers, and I think you make this point during the book quite a lot, don't you, that um, that it's you can actually cook in a pressure cooker for a, for a very small amount of time? Very small amount of time. So, for example, I've developed loads of different ways of cooking vegetables. So they retain their greenness, their freshness, the nutrients are really good because of the way they've been cooked. Um, and also you can cook them to a really good al dente. Yeah. It's not a case that they're going to be really overcooked and soggy. And I'll, I'll do that by braising them, steaming them with a mere splash of water. Sometimes the water that I've just washed them in. So if it's greens, I'll just shake them off, put them in the pan, wow. and that's it. Or I will do an approximation of roasting, which works really, really well. I'll get it very, very hot. Mm. Oil, it will go in, it will sizzle. Say I'm cooking a wedge of cabbage or something yeah. like that it will sear beautifully and then because it's so hot I will throw in maybe 50 mils of water get the lid on really quickly the pressure comes right up and almost immediately and it's done that's amazing so literally three or four minutes from yeah. start to finish when if you think about putting your oven on to yeah. do that it's, <laughs> it's just crazy yeah so as you said before some of us who grew up in the 80s have got memories of these huge scary pressure cookers my mum had one my gran had one and it would get it would get super up to temperature then the little thing on top would start jiggling, jiggling around, around yes <laughs> then she would either throw it under the cold tap to try and bring the pressure down or sometimes use an oven glove to kind of pluck the top off and then yeah. all the steam would go everywhere. Yeah. And I mean, I thought it was terrifying, but they've, they've changed quite a lot, haven't they? They they have. I, I have similar memories of my mum. I don't think she did much in them besides the Christmas pudding. I always remember the kitchen being yeah. filled with steam on Christmas Day because of the puddings being steamed. Yeah, they did used to be like that. And to be perfectly honest, if you're doing what we call fast release, which means that you're doing cooking something very quickly, and you need to get rid of the pressure fast you can actually turn the dial or, or release the pressure quickly whichever method your particular okay. pressure cooker has and the steam will come out but there are safe ways of doing it you can put it under a cold tap for yeah. example just for seconds and it will immediately it makes a very satisfying kind of thump kind of noise yeah. it just drops but um no there used to be horror stories about them, and that's because a lot of them didn't have as many safety features okay. as they do but now. But they're, they're a lot safer now. Yeah, most of them now have a minimum of four or five different safety valves. And that basically means if, if for example, you leave your pressure cooker on by accident yeah. on a high heat. And that actually is where most accidents have happened. So the thing about a stovetop pressure cooker is, while it's coming up to pressure, yeah. you're doing that on a high heat. And if you wander off and leave it and it comes up to pressure in the meantime and it's still on the high heat, it will want to keep increasing oh, pressure. Okay. Because what you have to do at that point is switch it to a lower heat, which maintains that pressure for the duration. Mm. And then, you know, you wouldn't ever need to, but you could leave it on for two, three, four hours on a low really, heat and, would, and nothing would happen. What used to happen is if people left it on a high heat, is if there were no safety features, the top might eventually come off. Yeah. What would happen now is that there's so many different um, safety valves that one would kick in, so steam would come out 
oh, one I way see. and then see, another yeah. and then another. So all the steam would dissipate and, and the worst thing that would happen is that it would boil dry, yeah. which you know, could happen to a saucepan, a saucepan anyway, anyway if you leave it. Exactly. So, yeah. And can you tell us um, briefly about, because you, in your intro at the beginning of the book, you do talk about the difference between the stovetop and the electric, and you said they used to be quite different, but now yeah. they're, they're sort of similar in terms of, you know, how good they are. Or Yeah, I, I used to find them not quite so efficient. So when I went, wrote my first book... I, I used to find, for example, that they used to take longer to come up to pressure. I mean, essentially, they are working in the same way, except that when, because it's um, automised, with an electric pressure cooker, you can't alter the heat at which you're bring it, bringing right. up, it up to yeah. pressure, and you can't alter the heat at which it's maintaining pressure. And that's fine in one way, because it is maintaining the pressure, and you're not having yeah. to fiddle around with different temperatures to make sure you're getting the right yeah. temperature but sometimes I used to feel that it wasn't quite hot enough to bring it up to pressure as fast as I wanted to and that obviously adds time onto the cooking okay but now they're much more efficient and they seem to come up um as quickly yeah so so if people were looking to buy one yeah. It would just be like whatever fits in with your yeah, and, and budget or... Yeah, it's a budgetary thing. It's also a space thing. Yeah. Because if you're going to use one on a daily basis, you need counter space for it. It's yeah. not something you're going to want to leave in a cupboard. And you shouldn't leave it in a cupboard because if you do, you'll never get it out and use it. Like everything. Yeah. Like everything. <laughs> the bread maker. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and, and it's actually the reason, one of the reasons I prefer using the stovetops because okay. I can leave them you on my hob. just leave it on there, yeah. Yeah, and I have three on my hob at all times. How big is your hob? <laughs> it's five rings. Okay. But literally... Um, yeah. Two different sized frying pans, a Le Creuset on the side, yeah. and my three favourite pressure cookers <laughs> live there, it. basically. Yeah, you're basically, yeah, you're, li you're living the brand pressure cooker for life. <laughs> um, for your fourth point, you said food doesn't suffer from being pressure cooked. It often actually tastes better. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it kind of intensifies the flavour of things. Mm. People say, often are amazed, for example, the, the example I often hear people use is broccoli, yeah. bizarrely. The number of times people have said, I've never tasted broccoli that tastes so much like broccoli. Wow. And it accentuates the sweetness. Yeah. Carrots is another one. The sweetness intensifies. Certain spices, an absolute revelation for me when writing my current book was curry leaves because I find curry leaves yeah. quite an elusive flavour sometimes and I put them in a dal and the pressure cooker just punched that flavour right the way through wow. the dal and I was just bowled over by it it was amazing um, and I think because of the way it cooks, because it's pushing the temperature up to 120, mm. um, that caramelisation effect starts to kick in a little mm. bit. So you do get more depth of flavour. Yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons that a lot of chefs, for example, will say that they use pressure cookers to make their stock because they feel as though the pressure is pushing out yeah. every little bit of flavour into the liquid. Um, yeah, because your next point was going to be about how chefs chefs 
absolutely love them, yeah, don't they? And they do. We've seen, I think, another reason why they've kind of become trendy is we've seen them on things like the Great British Menu and MasterChef yeah. being used again and again. And it's like, mm. oh, that, but that's just a pressure cooker. That's not like some super whizzy um, chef's equipment, like a Thermomix. That's just actually something that my gran used to have. Yeah, exactly. Because I think people, especially in competitions like MasterChef, where you're time-pressed, it makes perfectly yeah. sense because it really opens up what you can achieve in the time but also I think you do get better depth of flavor and also they tenderize much better I think I I often feel when I've cooked something conventionally and I do have to cook a lot conventionally because I'm writing cookery Mm. books all the time um conventionally for other people um I do always notice the difference and I feel as though meat cooked in the pressure cooker is always more tender. Yeah. How do you get over, because I think you you mentioned in the book as well, there is a little thing about liquid though, isn't there? Like say, for example, you're making a beef stew in the pressure cooker. Um, You've got to put a certain amount of liquid in there to get the pressure going. Yes. But you might end up with a slightly more liquidy... So do you always have to thicken at the end or do you just kind of try and balance the the amount of water that you add? So it really depends on the dish. So um, I tend to add very, very little liquid to to meat dishes because so much liquid will come out of the meat and the water. And as long as the pressure cooker is hot and you're getting a little bit of steam before you put the lid on, it will generate enough steam very, very quickly to maintain the pressure. There there are certain things that you don't really need to add any extra liquid to at all, which which was which um, came out of me experimenting quite a lot because all the pressure cooker manufacturers say you need a minimum amount of liquid yeah, to I get... Yeah, I saw that. It's sort of like it must be at least a third full or a half full or yeah, something, which they seems often like a say lot of liquid. A cu- it's a ridiculous <laughs> amount of liquid. And when you think you might be cooking a curry or something like that, it's going to be swimming in liquid, mm. which would mean you either have to spoon loads of it off at the end or reduce it, and then yeah. you're spending ages reducing it, which is almost defeating the object. Yeah. So it's it's an absolute nonsense. And I don't think they take into account the amount of liquid in the food that they're actually cooking. Yeah. Do you think that they're just mainly covering themselves in these the manuals for this is the the amount of liquid that will make sure that someone doesn't burn dry their food yeah, and I, I really so. overcompensating for it. So therefore you get these. Because yeah. it's the same, I think, when um, when slow cookers first came out, it would be put a certain amount of liquid in and by the end you would just have liquid, no flavour. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. yeah, it gave them a bad name, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did, it did. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really strange thing. A couple of people have got this book and have said that they thought I was very brave <laughs> with some of my methodology in terms of the amount That's of what liquid. You're, here for. you're like pioneering. <laughs> well, I'm trying. And, and, and actually, what happens, which is really lovely for me, is that somebody will get in touch and say, Have you ever tried to cook XYZ in the pressure cooker? And somebody said, Had you ever tried to do um, crisp, crispy aromatic duck? Okay. Which is a recipe in the book. <laughs> and I worked out how to do it. And again, um, I let the duck 
render down a little bit, the fat comes out, there's steam. You don't need to add any oh, extra okay. liquid. And that's one of the recipes that people say, that's a very brave recipe. And um, how do you get it crispy at the end? Well, you can either reverse sear, oh, okay. or but actually so much of the fat's rendered out that it does stay quite crisp anyway. Oh, wow. But normally I would, if I, any kind of crispy aromatic duck, yeah. I would shred it and then crisp it up crisp in a frying like pan anyway. a little wow. bit afterwards. So I, um, I know a lot of chefs who get their blowtorches out, yeah. <laughs> especially with things like a pot roast chicken, for example. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah. 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 And, and it does work. I mean, you can, you can either sear to start with and you will get a beautifully brown skin it mm. won't be flabby once it's been cooked it will be nice and parchment thin but it won't be crisp so then you can either reverse it or you can blow torch or you can mm. stick it under the grill okay. and actually a lot of um the electric pressure cookers now come with air fryers as well so, oh, so you can do that at the end yeah, yeah. so you what, can so would that be like a multi what you call a multi-cooker yeah and are, do you are you a fan of those well that's what I, if I'm going to use an electric pressure cooker, yeah, I will use an in, instant pot multi-cooker, which right, okay. has lots of functionality. Yeah. And I have one with an air fryer lid, which actually I do quite like. <laughs> I was surprised. Um, I, I tried one years and years ago when I used to review lots of kitchen equipment. Yeah. Um, and got a, a very early model of the Tefal one, which is almost the size of this table. I was going to say, it was, it was massive. It was, it was almost a metre square, wow. I think. And I was in a tiny kitchen at the time, and I thought, well, you know, it makes nice chips, yeah. but... <laughs> but it's taken up half my workspace. Yeah, well, yeah, more than at the time, I think. But... Um, let's talk about the versatility of it because that, that was your next point um th that they will do a surprising number of cooking methods tell us about that yeah so i think most people associate them with casserole stews soups stock and cooking beans and pulses of course mm. but they are a lot more versatile um you can use them as a bain-marie and, and if you use them as a bain-marie, they will basically emulate the kind of um, really souped-up steam oven that they have in professional kitchens. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing really gentle custards, creme caramels, um, anything like that, they'll cook really quickly and efficiently in that way. You can use them for cakes as well, which was a surprise to me. But then I thought, well, you know, I do steam sponge puddings and things oh, in yeah, them. So it, so it makes sense it? that a yeah. cake would work. Um, making cheesecakes in a pressure cooker is very popular. Oh, yeah. Baked cheesecakes. Yeah, you get a really, really good texture yeah. and they don't crack. Yeah, which is because you're not good. getting dry because it's that slightly wet heat, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than the dry heat, which, yeah. which often you're trying to emulate with in, in a an oven I guess when yeah and some baking you know you pour water in the bottom to give it like that blast of heat so. yeah exactly and then but, you've also got marmalade you can make it yeah I mean, you can oh well I mean softening oranges yeah. is a really useful thing so whichever method of marmalade you're using so whether you're boiling the oranges whole yeah or you're slicing them up and then cooking the peel to soften it mm. you can do that in the fraction of a time um oranges will take up to 10 minutes to boil so they're soft you know when you poke the end yeah. of the wooden spoon through 10 minutes and of course if you want to make a sephardic cake as well yeah um it's usually an hour or so to, to get them to get soft them enough. So you can whiz them around. Yeah, and yeah, 10 minutes. And actually, there's a recipe for the cake 
in here as well because I do do a Sephardic cake in the pressure cooker. Fantastic. Um, but also, yeah, preserving, infusing, pot roasting and roasting. I love doing a pot roast chicken mm. um, and I'll put in a couple of heads of garlic and then mash that into the gravy at the end and you get a beautifully creamy Oh, God, that stock. sounds so good. Because you're making stock at the same time pretty yeah. much. Poaching is another one, poached chicken. And that is an actually, actually a very clever method which was not created by me. It's come out of the States and it's the zero-minute chicken how do you do that what's that um so what you do is you cover the chicken with liquid if you're doing it in an electric pressure cooker you have to cover it up to two thirds right. in a, a stove top it needs to be completely covered yeah you bring it up to high pressure and then yeah. you leave it to drop pressure and by that time it will have cooked really yeah what? so so that's why it's called zero second because yeah. it you don't yeah even, zero minute pressure so yeah you don't even do it for a minute no that's crazy. I know, and it works with any cut of chicken as well. So you can steam chicken breasts. I often kind of half steam chicken pieces before I grill or barbecue them. Yeah. And it really, it, it helps with the texture of the skin. It stops the skin from being flabby. You get yeah. really beautiful, thin, parchmenty skin. Wow. And is that in the book? Though? It is in the book, okay, yes. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Um, and I mean, we covered number seven already when you said it's not just for long, long cooking, because you said the thing that you cook most often in yours is greens. So is that yeah. just, is that like when you're talking about using it as a daily thing? Yeah. So, I mean, how many times do you automatically um, put a saucepan of water yeah. on to cook Every greens? Every single day. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine if you just wash them lightly, you put them in the pressure cooker with a splash of water and they're done in two or three minutes. I mean, it's no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, you don't have to bring water to the boil. You don't have to boil a kettle. Nothing. They're, you know, it's, it just happens. Yeah, I think we have to get out of this... When I say we, I think me. I have to get out of this head space of thinking it's for when you're doing a big thing. Mm. It's for when you're doing a long thing. It's when you're doing something really involved. Because you're saying, like, use it like you would a saucepan. Just remember that you're using a lot less energy and a lot less water. Exactly. Yeah. Um, potatoes. Yeah. How often do you boil potatoes or steam potatoes? Yeah. I, I steam potatoes. I put them in a steamer basket in the pressure cooker in probably about half a centimetre of wow. water at the bottom. Yeah. And, and they will normally steam like that, depending how big the chunks are, but you can do them in three or four minutes once they're at pressure. Crazy. Let's talk a bit about the history because you said um, it's a really, really old technology. And in fact, it was invented in the 17th century i mean what what was it what were they using in the 17th i can't imagine what they were using in the 17th century the cooking fish <laughs> so they were created by a french inventor called denis pepin p-e-p-i-n i never know how to pronounce things so that apologies for that um and he called it his steam digester okay and the technology is still used in that way today. So when you think about buying tinned fish, yeah. canned fish, oh, yeah. which is cooked in the tin under pressure to the point that the bones are very soft. Yeah. So that's what it does. And, and actually, I've, I tried it out. And in my first book, I cooked loads of oily fish that way just yeah. to see what would happen and yeah the bones really do soften up and actually that happens with meat as well when I cook ribs pork ribs 
really, really soften up. Really? In the wow. same way, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the nutrition from the bones then will go into the stock. Yeah. So they were using it on quite a big big scale to begin with and then it sort of went down and down and down into the I domestic market so. and yeah. then and then i don't that they weren't really used here um domestically till towards the end of the second world war beginning of um the 1950s when yeah. people like marguerite Patton started championing yeah, them yeah and she was amazing she actually gave me a lot of confidence about writing my first book Did she? yeah she was i i interviewed her about oh, it wow. um her and heston blumenthal actually because <laughs> heston what Blu- a great because she was um absolutely wonderful about them and she said there's no bad pressure cooking there's just bad cooks <laughs> because i was getting so much pushback oh horrible gray casseroles and sludgy vegetables overcooked brussels sprouts everything smells of sulfur yeah and and I found that quite dispiriting. And she said, that is not the case at all. No, it's it's just, literally yeah. people overcooking things. I love this. So you're doing a, yeah. doing a great service as well. Um, and your point number nine was, and they're used all over the world. And, and in fact, like we, we think about them as a, you know, like I said, the casseroles, the stews, but they're used in so many different countries, yeah. like super hot countries as well. Tell us a bit about that. Well, Anywhere where grains and pulses and beans are eaten a lot, they're vital, really, Mm. especially in places where people don't have um, refrigeration or didn't traditionally to. So in South America, people would always have dried beans. And the first thing they do when they get home from work is put the pressure cooker of beans on. Yeah, Yeah. because then they don't have to store them cooked or whatever. India, pulses, slow-cooked meat, Dal with every meal, rice, rice takes three minutes to cook um, when it's actually on the heat. Yeah, and and also talking about hot climates, that makes perfect sense. People have often said to me, oh, it's a winter thing because soups, casseroles. But actually, if you think about all the things that you cook in summer, that you might, that you cook on the hob, that you could cook in a fraction of the time in the pressure cooker, so your kitchen is not going to be heating up to quite the same extent. (laughs) It makes perfect sense. I mean, I'm always cooking grains for salads and things or new potatoes or whatever. And and I find that I'm eating those kind of things a lot more than I used to, knowing I can cook them quite so quickly. I mean, quinoa, for example, Mm. something that people really love, a minute at high pressure. And it'll probably cook it really nicely as well. Yeah. Because that can quickly turn to mush. It really can. And it's amazing. Come up to pressure, cook for a minute, leave to drop it naturally, and it's just perfect, really fluffy and uh, yeah and your last point which i I just love this um (laughs) not not just saving it for your home kitchen uh you said yours are really well traveled and you actually take it on holiday with you which haven't spoken to you for half an hour catherine i can (laughs) i know i mean we we do like our uk cottage type holidays so when we do that it does go with us because 
they're just so useful. You know, if, if we go away any time of year and you can't guarantee the weather, it's really nice to know if I've got a packet of red lentils or some tomatoes or something. Mm. If everyone comes back cold and bedraggled and wanting something hot, I can get a soup on the table in 20 yeah. minutes or whatever. But also there's fun stuff as well. I mean, if you like camping, and I do not like camping, <laughs> you will not drag me off camping. But Again, you know, fires, wanting to cook things quite quickly. They will work on a yeah. on a fire, on a stand. And on the beach, I, I think people think this is slightly nuts, but I do <laughs> um, seafood boils. In, oh, God, um, I love a seafood boil uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, so me too, layering everything up. But when you think about how much water in the size pot you yeah, need to do muscles, that, yeah. and I do it in batches, so... If, I, if I'm somewhere where I can get really good fresh seafood, whether it's crabs, lobster, just the claws, a big pile of crayfish, yeah. whatever, layering them up. And then when it comes up to pressure, they only need a couple of minutes. Wow. So you just give it a couple of minutes, let let it come down, open it, and then everything's perfectly cooked. Yeah, and you get a lovely and... kind of flavoured steam coming out. I'll have put the, the spices in. There'll be the corn on the cob. There'll be the pieces of sausage. There'll be the potatoes, Amazing. all the seafood. Um, it's a proper Louisiana style. Yeah. I love it. That's a, what, what a brilliant idea to do. And, and I guess the other thing about it is, because I go away and stay in cottages in Cornwall a lot, is mm. often... You know, you've got a kitchen, but it's not always set up like your kitchen. No. Whereas if you take your favourite bit of equipment with you, you know exactly how to wrestle with that and get exactly what totally. you want out of it. So it's like taking a little bit of your home comfort with you. Yeah. I, I find it gets a bit bigger. My kind of kitchen battery gets a little <laughs> bit bigger every time. Favourite knives, the microplane, yeah. favourite frying pan, because I don't like those horrible scratch non-stick yeah. ones you always get in holiday cottages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I take... I take um, a Tupperware box full of spices and yeah. salt and pepper and and various bits and pieces and mine because I usually go on the train and my favourite knife and a, a little like a little wooden tiny chopping board because glass yeah. glass oh. was the work of the devil oh they're so painful on the teeth <laughs> I know and I don't know why awful noise but no there's honestly so many brilliant ideas in the book and if people want to get a hold of it it's called Modern Pressure Cooking The Comprehensive Guide to Stovetop and Electric Cookers with over 200 recipes by Catherine Phipps and the intro itself is worth buying the book for because it's so comprehensive with the way that you go into the different models and the different techniques and everything you do and it's it's absolutely so it's got to be like the last word on pressure cooking so thank you I really love it and people can um keep in touch with you i think on on instagram it's yep. at Catherine Phipps. yep that's right and then on what about on twitter on twitter cat lily cooks cat lily cooks okay great thank you so much again for coming to chat to us today Catherine. my pleasure thank you for having me Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.